0: Praise the Lord, my Lord The mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord Amen Uh, Senior Bishop Joanne, thank you for allowing me to come On board uh, Your program, uh, this very powerful Saturday evening I know that uh, After that very, very mighty And very powerful uh, Kesha night that we had uh, Until this morning Most people Are now resting But I just wanted to touch base with those of your listeners who may still be tuned in and just to to again look at some of the tremendous gains that happened yesterday in our meeting in that very big occasion that we had and uh, we we were reading yesterday from the very powerful scripture we read from the scripture that you see And listed In the book of Titus This has been our scripture for some time now And we were there The book of Titus And uh, looking at chapter 2 We looked at chapter 2 of the book of Titus And uh, we saw that the Lord is giving a very powerful instruction At this hour to the church he's speaking with the church in a very clear term, in clear terms, and making it absolutely clear without a doubt that the hour to prepare is now and also to prepare right. And we saw in our lead scripture, which was the book of Titus chapter 2, I know that you're playing very powerful worship on that radio. I will just be brief, I'll be very brief uh, to give it back to you. And we are enjoying the worship you're playing. I know many people tuned in, the Senior Archbishop is tuned in, everybody's tuned in. They're following this Saturday evening worship it has now become a prime time. Every time after the Kesha, the the all night vigil, people resting, some have just come back from work, reclining at home, having a cup of tea or a meal, preparing tomorrow for the major preparing for tomorrow's major service it has become a prime time so thank you for allowing me to come in and chip in a bit so our scripture was the book of titus chapter 2 and we saw verses 1 all the way to verse 10 where the lord is calling for action that is amazing he's saying that for all those that receive the grace there is however a role that you have to play you have a role and that's why the The grace of God is a sign task Come to essentially train you Teach you as we saw yesterday And uh, we also saw that uh, The Lord uh, rebuked the present day Christian For their ways Because we see that this entire episode I mean this entire spectrum of instruction From verse 1 of chapter 2 all the way to verse 10 Is essentially the Lord himself Talking to the church about discipline He says teach the older men to be temperate Worthy of respect Self-controlled Sound in faith In love And in endurance So you see Essentially to talking to each and every group And disciplining them Emphasizing to them the fact that The Christian life the saving grace of Jesus brings discipline, teaches discipline in the life of the recipient and I took you into the book of Hebrews chapter 12 we read from part 4 to 14 where the value of discipline was exalted You say, do not treat it lightly, not light, not slight don't slight the discipline of the Lord, don't take it lightly because it's love and he's doing so to bring you into his fold and assign you his holiness. So now contrary to what you have heard about the grace that you could live the way you want, you don't have to do anything. If you do one thing like this, it's not any more grace. that what they faith. But now you see here there is an instruction and he's instructing all the different age groups. Older men, older women, younger men, younger women he's talking about the slaves he's also coming to the preacher that there is a role that you have to put in an effort we saw that very clearly blessed people and then when we embarked on the stretch that turns from the book of Titus uh, chapter 2 verse 11 on up to verse 15 then we saw quite a more uh, elaborate instruction and very profound a deeper instruction that covers from when uh, the Messiah comes the grace appears to when now the second coming uh, the, the rapture of the church and the second coming the entire time zone was covered from verse 11 to verse 15 and again finishing with verse 15 say then these are the things you should teach these then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke. And so, talking about rebuke to a generation of uh, of Christians, an entire generation that uh, does not like rebuke, that became such a moment yesterday, because we say it from when they are young. They say, Mommy, don't touch me. Don't shout for me. If you if you beat me, I'll call the police." They shock you because they are taught in the kindergarten. A generation that you cannot touch, you cannot discipline. And they graduate into the adult church. And so, that is such a difficult area in the present day church that has to be addressed. He's saying for you to enter the kingdom of God, you need the training and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Teaching you to be disciplined. In other words, the the, the grace of God coming with the Holy Spirit the purpose is to discipline the church That you may be disciplined that, says, that we may preserve the testimony of Christ So that no one will malign the word of God hmm? So that the, the people out there You may not be ashamed Because they have nothing bad to say about you He's very concerned As to what people see from outside When they are looking at the Christian The church And I thought that was a very important point, a very important point, that from your fruits, from their fruits, they will know them. Meaning there is an expectation from the world onto Christians. When they look at the church, there is an expectation, that's what he said. And he called the church to discipline. He said, be careful what you present about Christ. Remember, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has now given you jurisdiction, he has given you authority to represent him, it were as though he's making his appeal to reconcile with this world through you. That is what came out yesterday. And then as we began to look at verse 11 of Titus 2 towards verse 14, big things came out. Because the question about the salvation of grace, for the grace of God has appeared. That offers salvation was well, to who? And saving them from what? So we saw To those that believe uh, To the whole world We saw Genesis chapter 12 The promise to Abraham Verses 1 to 3 That through you the whole world All the peoples of the earth Would be blessed He was talking about The advent of the grace When the Messiah would bring the grace And so you see that the salvation is directed to the entire humanity. And then we ask, that salvation then, why and how? What's the purpose of saving them? Which became a very important aspect we've not touched, the coming of the Messiah. He lays it right there in verse 13 and 14 to prepare for a people unto himself. But how? How does he deliver that uh, grace? And that is what we embarked on yesterday when we saw that very clearly he sets it out in verse 14 where he says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself our people that are his very own, very own. And I say, it, if you look at the book of Colossians chapter one, verse fifteen on, you see that everything under the sun, and I mean throughout creation, the sun up there, the galaxies up there, the earth and the fullness thereof, mankind, the oceans, the trees, everything in heaven except God Himself, were created. By the Messiah For the Messiah So he owns them He's the heir He inherits them That's all his inheritance However Now we see that out of all creation When it comes to the matter of grace When it comes to the new heaven And the new earth that is coming When it comes to the eternal state Now he says He gave himself for us To redeem us from all Look at that From 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 what? From all wickedness Evil Sin From Satan And to purify For himself A uh, people That are uh, His very own The entire creation is his But now He carves off A special people That will reign with him that will enter with him into the realm of the eternal state isn't it such a tremendous privilege blessed people and that's what we saw yesterday and then we asked how then has he delivered that grace to mankind because we saw the two levels if you look at verse 11 of titus 2 for the grace of god has appeared this appearing the first one is when he comes now prepared way back before the foundation of the earth, of the world is created, before time, prepared then the blueprint, and then he comes and unveils it. Now we can say we are saved. We have salvation. But we see that there is now the rapture of the church that is coming. So when you read verse 13, part B, he says, the appearing of the glory of our great God. So there is another appearing there. That is now when he comes the second time to take his bride. To protect the holy elect those who have been faithful in righteousness and repentance and pursuing holiness then that, this second appearing also has to do with the second coming which will take place at the end of the great tribulation when he comes out to install the kingdom of Yahweh tremendous uh, blessed people that is what we saw yesterday And so, in all this, it culminated into, how then has he delivered the grace to you? Then, it is right here, verse 14, who gave himself for us. Then, once we realized that he gave himself for us as a means of bringing the grace, then we understood that here the Lord is talking about the cross and the blood. the cross and the blood of Jesus the means of delivering the grace to the earth to humanity and then we began now to embark on how he delivered the grace to the church and then what came out so uh, vivid is that there are certain milestones are expected of the chastity the recipients of the grace that when you receive the grace just like when a baby is born a new creation is born a baby is born the doctors expect certain milestones to be achieved as the baby grows on very powerful so it wasn't meant to be a blanket statement that you receive the grace and then you can live as you want you want. Now you're waiting for eternity. This whole thing is being preached in church. It's wrong. He won't. He said his true grace actually stops you, causes you to say no to evil, no to sin, no to wickedness, no to worldliness, no to worldly passion, no to ungodliness, no to godlessness, no to atheism, to secularism. To the worldliness you see. And we saw that the gospel of prosperity that the present-day church has really treasured and taken up and embraced essentially focuses people on those same worldly passions that he says, This grace teaches and trains you how to say no to them. And we saw the great separation, the rift that is there between the worldly passion and and, and wickedness That the grace teaches you to say no to And on this other side The holiness The righteousness The self-control Meaning the Holy Spirit Coming to control you now To control your being huh? And 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 the righteousness The fear of God The reverence to God There's a great rift And it says, teaches you to say yes To godliness Yes to holiness Yes to righteousness There's such a great rift the two cannot mix And that's why you wonder How the present day church got it so wrong And mixed the two In other words Saying That uh, There are Essentially Two types of grace today The one But in embarking On how he delivered the grace How he delivered the grace To the church then one of the scriptures we read Which I want us to look at today Is the book of Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9 Verse 28 But today I'll read from 27 It says Hebrews chapter 9, 28 It says 27 to 28 I'm reading It says Just as people are destined to die One And after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin. And we saw that that was a big rebuke right there because the present day church is behaving as though the first calvary is not strong enough, they're waiting for a second deliverance. But he's saying, not to. To bear sin is not coming back to die for you again. And he says, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Again, right there we saw the serious rebuke to the present-day Christian. He goes saying he's coming to those who are waiting for him. In other words, who are heavenly focused. Those who are focused onto the vertical focus, focused on heaven. They are focused onto Jesus seated. On the right hand side Of God the Father in heaven And yet the present day church Is horizontally focused They have been trained and taught To focus on accumulating The wealth of the earth Settling here, living well Healthy and wealthy here On the earth We saw that from the very first Scripture that was helping us To unravel, to unveil How Jesus How the Lord delivered the grace Because we wondered how did he deliver the grace And why did he deliver Which is now for the second coming That's a whole different part But on the how He delivered the grace Then we see very clearly verse 8 here So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many And he will appear a second time Not to bear sin But to bring salvation to those Who are waiting for him very powerful, meaning he came and took away your debt, your sin, you owed God death, because the wages of sin is death. And then he says here that Christ, the Lord, he came and took away your sin, substitute death, meaning taking away your debt, setting you free making you dead free. At that very point, if you look at this scripture that clearly unveils how he delivered the grave, many things come up because then we begin to understand that but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, meaning he's coming to take them with him, meaning they are appearing before the Lord. And meaning that the present day church ought to be preparing. There's so much in there. So he will appear a second time. Meaning he's alerting the generation. He's telling the church. He's telling humanity He is coming back. Are you prepared? But spelling out also the reason he came. He said was sacrificed once to take away sin. Meaning he came to destroy the works of the devil in you, which is sin and wickedness. He came to destroy the works of the devil in you, sin and wickedness. And in the process, he saying man, you look at that, he said, to take away the sin sins of many, meaning to seek out to go and seek for the lost. Take away the sin of many and to go. And look for the, seek for the lost And bring them into the knowledge of the saving grace of God And in the process revealed yesterday I gave you that tremendous parable of the lost son And I said in that parable it's all about God the Father The saving grace of God that takes back the sinner The son that drifted away into Sodom eh, And then came back That the amazing grace of God, the saving grace of God, it's all about the grace of God the Father that is so compassionate and kind and merciful enough to take back the sinner. And so we see very clearly that in delivering the grace, essentially the grace sets out to reveal God the Father to mankind. To reveal God the Father to mankind. To reveal the heart of God the Father to mankind. And so that is where we are at. And given given that there is the first appearing to present the grace that people may be born again. Receive Christ. Believe the gospel. And there is the second appearing. So in between here, there is so much work. Because you see the devil is still going on, prowling around. People are still dying in wickedness, in darkness, perishing in the world without knowing Christ so there is work the greater the reason why the spirit of the Lord said there is responsibility unto those that receive the grace to shine forth the light of God that it is your conduct according to the book of Titus chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 it is the conduct that was being well elaborated there well defined there for the elderly men for the elderly women for the young men, the young women, for the slave, for the pulpit. He's saying that when your conduct befits this tremendous grace of God that was earned from the cross at Calvary, then you essentially decorate the grace. Then the grace is decorated and the people out are able to see and they long for it. They are drawn to Christ. That was the entire paradigm that was set up there. And so here, he's talking about appearing. He's talking about the two appearing. The first appearing to deliver the grace, and the second one, in between, is preparation. And the devil is also rushing to pull as many with him to hell. And so he says, there is work. But Jesus says, I will be back. I will be back. And that's why I asked the ready team to play for me that song. I'll be back. Because in between, this is what he's saying here, that Jesus is coming back. Will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting, meaning those who are preparing. There is a process that is supposed to be on. It is supposed to be on in the church. But step by step, if you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I don't want to take all your time, Joanne, because I know you have your worship program running. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse ten. Look at what he says. And he says, For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So that is where the response. The responsibility is right there That are you preparing Are you aware That we must appear before Christ And take account And give account For the things done While in this life That is the clarion call For preparing That is why he's calling on this generation To prepare Are you aware he is coming back And you have to give account We must appear He says, all knees, every knee shall bow before him. Are you aware we shall appear before him? And then, are you then aware that meanwhile, in the interim, he expects that we are busy preparing? So there is so much that now shoots off, comes off from the scripture that was uh, opening up, elucidating and rolling out how the Lord unveiled the grace to this generation to mankind to humanity, to the earth that scripture that we read whereby he takes away your debt that you were sacrificed for your sin and he's coming back to take those who are waiting for him now you see so much comes out of there As in also a clarion call for preparing For readiness For being ready Being busy preparing In the book of Hebrews chapter 9 Verse 12 The same Hebrews we read Again Hebrews 9, 12 He says the following He says Hebrews chapter 9, 12 He says the following he did not enter by means of the blood of God And curse But he entered the most holy place Once for all By his own blood Thus obtaining eternal redemption But that is the way That the grace was delivered To humanity That he entered there by paying the ultimate price on the merit of his sinless blood. His glorious blood. Because we ask, how did he deliver the grace? And and are there any lessons that can come out of the way he delivered the grace to humanity? And you see so many lessons coming up now. That when he brought the grace And delivered it to you, the recipients There is also a responsibility Because he's saying, he's coming back He's coming back to check Who has used the grace profitably For the kingdom Who has used it to prepare And while the devil is running around Trying to get as many to help Who has used it also to reach many souls That are perishing in the darkness And pull them back In other words, how have you lived your grace To be attractive to the world that they may love Jesus. This perishing world. Otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So when he came The purpose was to totally destroy The works of the devil Totally destroy the works of Satan In the life of man And to seek out The lost And bring them to the Saving knowledge Bring them to the understanding To the knowledge of the Christ To the understanding that Jesus Has already purchased them They can now come back and reveal the Father to them, that they may worship, that they may know they have a Father. Their Father is in heaven. And so for us, the clarion call is to continue that work. Hebrews chapter 727, within the same realm. If you turn with me to Hebrews 727, very powerfully so. And it says the following. Hebrews 727. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins, and then the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Meaning his atoning sacrifice was sufficient to quench sin once for all. How powerful a grace that he delivered in telling us how he delivered the grace to us, he does not fail to exalt and highlight the power and the authority of that grace to totally dismantle sin, to point sin, neutralize sin totally. Nobody can say, we are born again, we have received the grace, and continue in perpetual sin. He is rebuking the present day church that has continued with sin despite receiving the grace. He said, no, once for all, have sufficient power. Sufficient power to be much sin, to finish the works of Satan. So even as we look at how he delivered the grace, there is so much that's coming out of there that the president day church could do it to instruct her, to show her the way, to correct her, to move her position from a place where she is literally tolerant she has tolerated sin. Sin is tolerable to her, to a place where she will now have zero tolerance to sin and begin preparing for the coming of the Messiah. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter sixteen, verse twenty seven, it says the following Matthew sixteen, twenty seven. It says For the Son of Man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done is this generation aware of that that when you receive the grace the biggest responsibility is this one here in the book of matthew 16:27. that now he appears again and when He is going to come there will be responsibility you will reward each person according to what he has done and that means at this hour the present day Christian ought to be very busy Preparing for the coming of the King And if you turn to the book of First Peter chapter 2 1 Peter chapter 2 As I finish up, Joanne, I won't take much of your time On your program But thank you for allowing me in Today is not my day though. Again, First Peter, if you turn, we meet First Peter Chapter 2 The book of First Peter chapter 2 Right after James First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 listen to what he says He says, he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin look at that we might now die to sin and live for righteousness and then he says by his wounds you have been healed now I'm reading this kind of scripture at a time when the Lord has just used his two mightiest, mightiest prophets through the decree I made here to literally create a new creation in Brazil. To literally create a new person from that um, Oswe Oswe Braga. eh? Oswe Braga. The doctor said that is literally a new person. His genetic material must have changed totally. All his organs have changed And all his uh, muscles All his uh, His his, uh, his cells have changed It's a wonder But he saying by his wounds We are healed But again Still emphasizing on how Jesus How the Lord Delivered that grace to humanity He said he himself Bore our sins In his body on the cross So that we might die to sin not live with sin, but die to sin. Could it be true that this generation is disappointing the Lord so much by failing to die to sin, despite being recipients of a grace so great, a salvation so powerful as this one? And yet, in the same book of Hebrews, the same Hebrews we're gravitating around it, the same group of—I uh, mean, Book of Hebrews, chapter five. Verse 9, look at what he says. 5, 9 he says. Again, Hebrews 5, 9. He says the following. And one made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Look at that. now. That once we have received the grace, and the grace has begun to train us, and to say not worldliness, to wickedness, to sin, to evil, to malice, complacency, apostasy, decay, lies, irreverence. And the same grace has taught and trained us to say yes to the fear of God, holiness, righteousness, to repentance. Yes, to reverence to God. Then he says, he has become the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now eternity is yours. Eternal salvation. So it was a grace so sufficient in as much as he delivered that grace, but with power, maximum power, sufficient grace. How then do we prepare? Because we've heard. That he expects us to be preparing at this hour At this juncture. How then now do we prepare As a generation If the message is so clear now That you have to prepare He expects that you are busy preparing How then do you prepare The book of uh, Second Corinthians Second Corinthians uh, Second Corinthians I'm looking for a chapter seven, verse one. This is how it says we prepare. It says, therefore, since we have these promises, this eternity right ahead of us here, the eternal state, the new Jerusalem, to reign with him, the kingdom of glory, mighty mansions, glorious mansions in heaven, put it together. Since we have a salvation that is promising, promises this great then he says dear children let us purify uh, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates, that pollutes in other words again let us purify ourselves and that involves separation as you can tell that involves observing the discipline of the grace the things it tells you to do observing what it tells you not to do So you don't do them. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit. Perfectioning holiness. Perfectioning holiness. Perfectioning holiness out of reverence for God. Perfectioning holiness. Meaning working in progress on a daily basis. Becoming holier and holier. In other words, closer and closer to the likeness of Christ. And even as you prepare, you have to be alert about the signs. Look at the signs. Coronavirus is here. You simply need to turn to Matthew 24 when Jesus himself gave the signs. The diseases, the pestilences, the pandemics, the epidemics, the famines, the wars. Look at the global economic situation right now. Hmm? People go to work to put bread on the table. The apostasy of the day. Look at the apostasy in the church. So they are signs that you have be alert to because you're living your life tailored to scripture. And then, once you're alert onto those signs, then you must now also now nail down your process of preparing. You must nail down those processes in your own life. It's an individual walk. It's a personal walk. And in nailing down, in seriously embracing the process of preparing for the coming of the Lord, the second appearance of the King of Glory, then you must you must be cognizant of Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 21, we're reading verse 27. Revelation 21, 27, you must be aware of this, as you prepare. Revelation 21, blessed people, I take just one verse, verse 27, and it says the following. Nothing impure, nothing impure will ever enter it. So in other words, impurity must be purged off your life in this life. You must separate yourself from anything that contaminates anything impurity because it says here. For those that will enter, this is how you prepare. Nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful, look at that now, or deceitful, look at that liar. But only those whose names are found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You become aware of such instruction when you're preparing. These are the key instructions on how to prepare for the coming of the King, the coming of the Messiah. This is how the Lord helps you to get ready to uphold holiness as a Christian. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Sun will be there. book of Hebrews again. 12, verse 14. How to nail down the process of preparing in your life. Hallelujah. And it says the following. Hebrews 12, 14. He says, once I'm there, I'll read it for you. He says, make every effort. That means you have to make an effort. You have to step out to do this. You have to invest into doing this. You have to marshal all your personal resources as a person in terms of time and everything, effort. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So contrary to what you see, the preachers in the USA and other nations telling you, You don't have to do anything The Lord himself is saying here That you have to make every effort Every effort You have to recruit your entire effort Onto this And then he says Without holiness No one will enter the kingdom of God This is how you prepare And if you go to the book of Joel If you get time to get to Joel chapter 3 Also helps you on how to prepare Turn with me Blessed people The book of Joel Among the minor prophets Hallelujah So Joel chapter 3 And we're reading verse 17 It says the following Then you will know That I the Lord your God Dwell In Zion My holy hill Jerusalem Will be holy Never again Will foreigners invade her this is all-inclusive uh, scripture. It talks about the fact that God is separated. If he's coming to dwell in Jerusalem, that city is bringing the new Jerusalem. Anybody that does anything sinful or defiling will not be in that city. And that begins right at rapture. That no sin will be lifted off the ground to go into heaven. So this kind of zero tolerance to sin must be ringing in your mind 24-7 as you prepare for the coming of the King and it says in Revelation 22 another scripture that helps you prepare the book of Revelation 22 verse 14, turn with me there how to prepare, how to nail down the process in your own life Revelation chapter 22 and I'm reading right now, verse 14, which says, again, verse 14 says, it says, blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. Says so again, it's talk about the process of purification. He's talking about a robe that is a garment of righteousness. Have you guarded your garment of righteousness ever since you received a grace so great as this? Ever since you received the salvation of Christ Jesus and received this glorious garment of the Lord, the garment of righteousness that you see celebrated in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8? Have you guarded it? Remember the enemy As one and one only intent To come and soil your garment To come and paint your garment To come and paint it with sin And yet he says That blessed Are those who wash their robes That means in the blood That they may have the right To the tree of life and may go into the gate, into the holy city. Look at that now. And he's saying, for the present day church, that even if you have soiled your garment, there's an opportunity, the blood of Jesus is still flowing. You have a real opportunity to wash your garment in the blood of Jesus. Revival, restoration in other words. Hallelujah. As I finish now. But you have a chance. To be right with God before that day falls on you, befalls you. It says in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, uh, verse 14, I answered, Sir, you know, and he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them pure white in the blood of the Lamb. So you have an opportunity go into repentance to be restored at this hour to wash your garment pure white pure white glorious garment of righteousness to restore the righteousness of God that is consigned you that is assigned you all to the wonderful work of Christ Jesus at the cross and then even as you prepare and finishing I must give you this if I didn't give you this I fail in my duty I must give you verse 15 That you must continually be aware That outside, again Revelation 22-15 Outside are the dogs And those who practice magic art sexually immoral The murderers The idolaters And everyone who loves and practices Lies, deception, falsehood You must constantly Be awake to this one So may the Lord help you That you may be But he said that at his appearing, he brought us the grace. And his mission for coming was to totally destroy the works of Satan. And he defeated, he triumphed over Satan at the cross when he resurrected. And he said on that mission he came to seek out the lost. And bring them to the saving knowledge, to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus, the grace of God. And he said in the process, as we see in the parable of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, the purpose is one, God the Father, to reveal God the Father to mankind, to reveal the heart of God, the compassionate heart of Them to come back home And that he's urging you That are still alive now Awaiting his second return Awaiting the rapture Awaiting when he snatches Comes and snatches the holy faithful church You must continue these works here To destroy the work of the devil By your testimony To seek out To seek for the lost And bring them to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus The grace of God That you must continue in the process Revealing to them God the Father, their creator, their father. And the grace that he has laid before humanity. And you must continue trumpeting to this generation that he'll be back. That the Messiah will be back. Jesus will come back. He promised to come back in John 14, 1 to 3. And that when he comes back, you come and establish the kingdom of righteousness. The reign of righteousness. The kingdom of God on the earth His kingdom will be a kingdom A reign of righteousness And all creation Will now finally come back To God's original Plan and purposes for creation That they would worship Him and honor Him So may the Lord bless you Can I leave those who want to receive Jesus Back to the Lord So I can give it back to Joanne To continue the wonderful worship service tonight those who want to receive Christ repeat after me say mighty Lord Jesus I repent tonight and receive you in my heart as my Lord and Savior and I ask you my Lord Jesus to reprogram my life and to make my life in tune with what you are saying right now about the coming of the kingdom of God teach me and train me to reject sin and evil and teach me and train me to accept righteousness holiness the fear of God and obedience mighty Lord Jesus please establish the Holy Spirit in my heart and give me power to overcome to triumph over the apostasy of this day and preserve me until you come for the church. Today I have received you as Lord and Savior. And I am born again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you the Lord bless you. Back to you Join.